Welcome to the Cherry Becker Tax Beat, a conversation about tax that matters. Welcome to this edition of the Cherry Becker Tax Beat podcast. For this session, we are focusing on the impact of the huge U.S. Supreme Court ruling on the Wayfair et al. versus South Dakota, which was from June 2018. We commonly refer to this just as Wayfair, the Wayfair decision. Um, it has just been instrumental in the whole world of sales and uh, sales and use tax and other uh, outreaches into other uh, parts of the sales tax world. Um, this case, just as a quick recap, was about the uh, you know, fairly nationally well-known online retailer. Um, and South Dakota brought a case against them saying that even though you don't have any physical presence, i.e. no employees, inventory, stores, trucks, warehouses, whatever, in the state of South Dakota, you were doing enough business in the state that you had economic nexus and therefore subject to South Dakota's sales tax regime and the Supreme Court ruled in favor of South Dakota and that is what has started this ball rolling ever since. So the gist of today's call is to talk about what we have learned uh, in five years since that uh, huge ruling. So join in today's discussion uh, just like we did five years ago our two leaders of our sales and local uh, sales and local tax practice uh, Kathy Stanton from Washington, D.C. Hello, Kathy. Hello there, Brooks. And Lauren Stinson um, from Atlanta slash Alpharetta, Georgia. How are you doing today, Lauren? Hi, Brooks. I'm good. And as always, joining me, my partner in crime, Sarah McGregor from Greenville, South Carolina. So, Sarah, how's life treating you today? Life is good. You know, I, I timed this just right. They were, we're recording this on the fifth anniversary of the Wayfair decision from June 21 of 2018. So I think it's pretty timely to celebrate a birthday for this court case. All right. You would think it's a fun thing to celebrate. That's right. That's right. <laughs> a, tax for everyone. a tax decision. For, you had it marked on your calendar. All right. Okay, so let's jump in. So, Kathy, uh, you you had a very fun um, little video we tweeted uh, outside the Supreme Court on the day of the oral uh, arguments for the Wayfair. So uh, you were boots on the ground, literally. So what are your impressions uh, from that experience uh, looking back? Yeah, that was actually a really fun day to just hear all the arguments back and forth. And you really couldn't tell which direction the court would go. But I will tell you, my overall impression was that the Supreme Court didn't want anything to do with sales tax. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was basically the gist. They were sorry they, they ruled in the first place in Quill, and they were just reversing Quill and stepping out of it. And really, I think, pretty perturbed that Congress has not dealt with it. Um, and so really, honestly, not just the U.S. Supreme Court, but other courts, I think the, the same that, you know, this really should be dealt with with legislation, not not through court proceedings. And um, in Congress, there has been some bipartisan interest uh, to address it, but unfortunately, no movement. All right. So, Lauren, um, 
Wayfair was, you know, at least on the surface, all about sales tax, uh, which is your primary area of practice. So what changes have you seen in sales tax uh, over the last five years since this ruling? Um, well, first of all, this is the, the single biggest impact that I've seen in you know, in my career and in the sales tax world. And it really changed the landscape of sales tax as we know it. It's been a huge whirlwind of five years, you know, with every state adopting um, economic nexus, you know, very little guidance, very little support um, from the states and, you know, companies left just trying to figure it out. So we have, you know, help develop tools to monitor economic nexus, do a lot of training, put in you know, technology solutions to help all these companies navigate all these you know, multi-state responsibilities. So you know, just you know, moving along with the companies as, you know, as the states adopted it and keeping them in compliance has just been a you know, huge challenge for everyone. So Lauren, this was originally a case about online sellers of tangible goods um, mm -hmm. but the the results of this decision states have really launched off and stretched it to other industries right so you know it was all around you know wayfair and selling of home goods but you know as as um, the states dug deeper and you really looked at the impact a lot more industries were impacted than just e-commerce so technology companies you know companies that are selling services over the internet, certainly SaaS companies, software companies, those were uh, hugely impacted and really never even saw it coming. So we've had to do a lot of education around, you know, sales tax, what is, what are the products that companies are selling um, to even know whether or not they had to collect tax in a lot of different states. Um, you know, manufacturers were were impacted. You know, a lot of them were selling wholesale, but you know, just as business has grown and companies have moved to selling, you know, kind of omni-channel. So they're selling B2B, they're selling B2C, they're selling direct to consumer, they're selling on marketplaces. You know, the the world has changed how we sell products and how companies sell products. So all that has been very impactful and certainly um, impacted by economic nexus and the Wayfair rulings. Yeah, especially in the technology industry, you have all these startups, right, with these great technology, and they're trying to control costs, they're trying to build it to sell, you know, their technology at some point. Um, they're, they're not sales tax people, you know, they could have 200 transactions because they have a transaction. What's a transaction that's still unclear in some jurisdictions? Is it a line on an invoice? Is it an invoice? I mean, you can trip that threshold. Thankfully, the states have been removing some of the transaction thresholds. So that's a good movement in the space. But we're finding a lot of our clients in the technology space when they're going to sell now being completely surprised that they have this tax liability uh, and so we're trying to get, we're trying to educate them, get in front of everybody um, to to let them know what that impact is. But I think they have been one of the most negatively impacted industries for sure. Have all the states uh, codified this economic nexus? They they have. Uh, Missouri was the last holdout, and they um, adopted economic nexus in January of this year. And you know, there's been. You know, there's been some changes, you know, that we've seen along the way. As Kathy mentioned, some states have removed the thresholds. Um, 
South Dakota, who actually started all this, they are uh, just removing their threshold now. Um, Louisiana, for a number, for the number yes, of transactions. Yes, sorry, the number uh, of transactions. So they so were really just a, a revenues uh, uh, kind of goal or threshold, not a number of transactions right. as well. Okay. Exactly. And Louisiana, you know, of all states, I always think of them kind of as being a, one of the backward states. So, you know, Louisiana, I hope you're not listening to this, but um, but they are actually on the forefront because they've made a change where they have not only eliminated the, the transaction count, but they've also eliminated what they've what they're counting. So they're no longer counting wholesale sales, which in my opinion, that's kind of the trend that we should be seeing where states are really being realistic about what they count. So, you know, should they be counting wholesale sales, lose their non-tax sales in the first place? So they should they be counted towards that you know, economic nexus threshold? Same thing with marketplace sales. You know, the marketplaces are all responsible for collecting sales tax. So, you know, in my opinion, they should not be counted towards a company's economic nexus because they're not even taxable sales. So, you know, Louisiana, you know, my opinion of you is changing. You're you're on top of it and one, you know, one step ahead of really looking at what is meaningful to count. Well, let me challenge that opinion, Lauren, just for a minute. What about local taxes? I, I know that there's some litigation in Louisiana on, you know, if you have nexus with the state, does that really mean you have nexus with all the different parishes? And so how are, how are they doing from a local tax perspective? Well, we're not going to really get into local taxes because that is that is a hot mess between <laughs> Uh, Louisiana and Alabama and Colorado. We could do a whole podcast yeah. on local so taxes. A, so it's a good point, though, that that I think is a, one of the most significant issues five years out from the Wayfair decision is the local taxes, the states and localities pushing this beyond um, the authority provided under Wayfair. Right. And you know, you have Alaska who imposes local taxes. But Alaska doesn't even impose a, a state tax, a state sales tax. So, you know, again, we could do a whole podcast yeah. on the L and yeah. salt. Okay. So, you know, what I'm taking away, you know, much like the Supreme Court who doesn't want to be near sales tax, uh, I may be joining <laughs> that that faction as well. But this sounds, you know, so complicated and everybody has so many rules. I mean, what what is the role of technology in providing some kind of solution to all of this, Lauren? Yeah, so you know, at this point, it's so complicated that most companies they can't they can't manually do sales tax anymore because you've got to get the rates for the jurisdictions. There's over you know thirteen thousand jurisdictions across the United States, so you need some sort of a rate table. Um, if you've got complicated products, you need some sort of system that has product tax codes so it knows what products to tax in what states. There's different nuances. So there is a lot of technology solutions. There's a lot of new technology solutions popping up. You know, every day there's been a, a few, you know, few contenders, you know, to to challenge the mainstay tax technology companies um, that have popped up lately. So, you know, there certainly are tax technology solutions, but we need to, you know, our, our clients, you know, they need to realize that it's not a, oh, well, we're just going to implement technology and all of our problems are solved. That's just the vehicle for making it happen. There still needs to be a lot of, you know, you know, watching the technology, making sure that it is you know, set up correctly. 
and you know, keeping keeping your hands on the wheel. And, and Lauren, that's a good point on the technology because that's exactly what I heard at the Supreme Court level. There, the states were saying, "Oh, there's technology that addresses that. Oh, there's already technology that addresses that. It's simple. It's not going to be an an undue burden on interstate commerce." So interesting. Still, five years later, five yeah. years later, it couldn't be further from the truth. Yes. Uh, so Lauren, how are the states um, approaching uh, enforcement here? I'm guessing they've they've now are now getting their arms around and going in and and auditing and examining companies and looking for folks that are not in compliance here. Right. So you know certainly we're, we've deemed 2023 to be the year of the audit. We're seeing a lot of audits. We're seeing a lot of um, notices. Certainly, any time a company is registered. They are looking very closely at the effective date because how are you just now registering? So they're they're getting they're getting their compliance through, you know, just taxpayers eventually having to come forward. Is that where you're getting a lot of client activity today? Uh, folks calling you up because they've gotten notices and are, um, are just getting their arms around what what their exposure is? Yeah, certainly notices, but also just, you know, as, as Kathy mentioned earlier, you know, they're their business is growing and they realize, well, we haven't dealt with sales tax and now it's, you know, now it's time to start dealing with sales tax. And it's always better to address it on the front end. Oh my goodness. Afterwards. I mean, it's very difficult to go back, um, not only from a customer relationship standpoint, but just all the administrative um, difficulties of going back and trying to get that sales tax back from the customer. Uh, it's out-of-pocket costs where sales tax really is not your cost. It's the consumer's cost. It's who you're selling to, your customer's cost. Yet it becomes your cost if you're not abiding by the rules. And I can see a whole new frontier um, uh, back several months ago when the metaverse was all the talk. Uh, if you're selling uh, digital goods inside the metaverse, where are you <laughs> and who collects sales tax? Uh, it's a, there's a whole other set of issues to, to deal that with. That could be a whole other podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's a whole other right. dimension to origin and destination-based sales when you're in. That's right. I'll bring my avatar. You bring yours to your tour, the <laughs> podcast about that one. But there, there are states that are starting to impose taxes. Um, Washington, you know, has imposed tax on NFTs. So there is there is a lot, there is movement in that space. All right, so let's kind of pivot here uh, to income and franchise. So, you know, I think when this first came out, we made some predictions that this would um, edge itself into the income franchise tax world. So Kathy, uh, what does it look like now, looking back five years? Yeah, you know, even back at Wayfair, the states had authority to impose economic nexus, and they had been doing that. I think this just really has empowered them to take that, you know, a step further, for sure. Uh, and not only income franchise, but they're even expanding toward tourism taxes, meal and delivery taxes, and that goes beyond Wayfair, that they're trying to get the vendors to collect. But from an income tax perspective, um, you know, definitely issues where we have a lot of clients that have to collect sales tax in all these different jurisdictions. Well, now the state has the company's name. Now the state knows that the company is registered in the state. So now the states can easily follow up on the income tax side for enforcement. Uh, so I think the enforcement is easier for states now. In addition, 
Um, there have been some significant changes in the Multi-State Tax Commission's, commission's uh, definition or interpretation of Public Law 86272, where that federal law was put in place in the 50s, well before the internet-based economy, to protect some sellers from having to pay income tax in all these jurisdictions if they're just soliciting sales. Well, that was supposed to be a temporary law. <laughs> We're in 2023 um, and it, it still holds. And so we really need Congress to address the income tax side now that there's more of a push on Wayfair, um, that the MTC is being much more aggressive, Public Law 86272, where they're saying any internet activity occurring with your customer, if it's not a shopping cart activity, you have income tax nexus, and that is completely different than the line of reasoning that's been used historically. So what we're really, really needing to see is for Congress to step in, protect the small businesses. You know, it's one thing to have sales tax obligations, which is hard enough, but the income tax obligations can be much more difficult to comply with. And if you have a small seller that has very little income and having to file in 40 plus states, uh, that is a significant cost to them. Income tax returns often are going to be more expensive than sales tax returns uh, from a preparation standpoint. But even then, the state's not even getting any money at all for all this additional compliance cost from the small seller or on the small seller side. We're seeing this in the international community. Um, at least now we are getting international companies that are, are becoming aware of sales tax. They have to collect, okay, there's these clear thresholds. They understand it. But now income tax, there's still all this professional judgment and how does, does the treaty protection uh, come into play and all of these other issues. And, and it would be best if Congress stepped in and just really put some limitations, really put some thresholds in place. All right. I think uh, that's a wrap on today's discussion. Let's take it down to our closing comments. So, Lauren, you want to uh, give your uh, concluding thoughts here? Or as you know, as Kathy and I can talk about, you know, Wayfair and sales tax and income tax for days, you can quickly see how complicated it is. And we do this every day. And there's just so many different nuances and things to consider with, you know, with the laws, with technology, you know, with the states and their um, you know, their positions that you know we don't want our clients to go it alone because that's just a you know, can be a path of minefield. So um, you know, get some help, get some guidance, get some professional support to make sure that you've put your your company in the right position to you know, move forward correctly. Yeah, and I would say that if Congress still refuses to act, we're just going to see more litigation. We're going to see the states being more aggressive and imposing Wayfair type rules on uh, on other taxes. Um, so without without that uh, stepping in. Um, we're we're going to see more. We're going to see more challenges. The states have been flush with cash during the pandemic. And as that changes, that's going to motivate them to really press the limits on this. And yeah, so and I think from from my perspective, um, I, I see companies uh, needing to develop uh, agility and flexibility in their reporting function um, for both sales tax, income tax, really looking at it as a core part of their business instead of as a an add-on or an afterthought. Um, that sort of planning and investment in uh, compliance upfront will save them a lot of headache and, and issues on the back end. Um, and sort of take that off the table and let them focus again on, on their core business. 
Absolutely. And it will save them so much time and money when they want to sell their business. <laughs> yeah. And and that kind of leads to my concluding comment that this stuff is complex, but it will catch up with you one way or another. Uh, the states will find you eventually. <laughs> if you go to sell your business, somebody else's attorneys or accountants are going to find you eventually. I mean, so... You know, again, the whole message of proactively dealing with this and getting some really excellent professional help um, from Terry Beckert, of course. So, <laughs> all right. I think that's the conclusion. Thank you for listening in on our conversation on the impact of the Wayfair decision five years later. A quick disclaimer that we are not providing tax advice on this podcast. Please consult with your tax advisor, hopefully at Cherry Beckert with your specific tax issues or to discuss information from today's podcast, especially Kathy and Lauren when it comes to complicated salt issues. All right, check out the firm's website at cbh.com for the latest guidance and materials on this and other tax and business topics. Uh, this is, concludes today's podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you, Lauren and Kathy. Thank you, our listeners, for spending your time with us. We truly appreciate it. Let's call it a day and go forth in peace. 